COVID-19 vaccines are finally making their way across the U.S. and the world, which is an important first step in eventually ending the pandemic. Though the vaccines currently being distributed have been shown to be remarkably effective, up to 95%, that doesn't mean that everyone who gets the vaccine will respond the same way. Some will develop immunity quicker than others, for example. New research accepted for publication in the journal Perspectives on Psychological Science explores how a person's mental well-being and health habits can have an important impact on vaccine efficacy. You're listening to Under the Cortex. I'm Charles Blue with the Association for Psychological Science, and to tell us more about this research, I have the new paper's lead author, Annalise Madison, a PhD candidate in clinical psychology at The Ohio State University College of Medicine. Hi, Annalise. Hi, Charles. Great to be here today. You and your colleagues have been researching the efficacy of vaccines and the factors that could impact how well the body responds to them. Can you summarize for our listeners the main point in your paper? Definitely. I was reading a lot of the research coming out during this pandemic about all of these uh, mental health-related factors and health behaviors that were suffering during the pandemic, to be honest. And I started to think about how that would relate to vaccine efficacy and all of the factors that we know based on some work by my research advisor, Dr. Jan Kikolt Glazer, who's the director at the Institute for Behavioral Medicine Research. She and her husband, Dr. Ron Glazer, had pioneered this line of research showing that stress and anxiety and other mental health factors can affect antibody responses to vaccines, even among healthy individuals. And other labs have since shown the same thing across a wide variety of different um, vaccines. And so even though it hasn't been replicated yet with these new COVID-19 vaccines, because it's generalized across a lot of different samples and a lot of different vaccine types, uh, we suspect that the same may be true for the COVID-19 vaccine. And so I set out with this review paper, um, my colleagues and I set out to unite these kind of different lines of evidence, the different lines of research, uh, both the fact that these factors can influence vaccine efficacy and the fact that these factors um, have changed. And uh, a lot of these risk factors are um, even more prevalent during the pandemic. So we sought to unite these lines of research and also um, talk about things that can be done. The fact that we can even intervene now, even as we approach um, a lot vaccination, that we can intervene and start to um, do some things so that we can have the best chance to respond optimally to this vaccine. So in some ways, COVID-19 is similar to what you would expect or you anticipate it would be similar to other vaccines dealing with other diseases. But contrary, what's actually happening in the world because of COVID-19 is directly impacting the very things that could make the vaccine a little less effective. You're exactly right, Charles. This research is generalized across many different vaccines, such as the hepatitis A and B vaccines, the influenza virus vaccine, pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine, and different populations too, um, including healthy individuals. And so we suspect that the same would be true for this vaccine. That being said, there is time to intervene. Um, as you mentioned, that these risk factors are more prevalent now during the pandemic. According to some data from the U.S. Census Bureau, 
adults, U.S. adults in April and May 2020 had triple the likelihood of screening positive for either a depressive disorder, anxiety disorder, or both compared to adults surveyed just a year before in the U.S. And so these factors are really prevalent and concerning, and it's a great time if you know someone's neglected their mental health during the pandemic or their physical health, it's a great time, a great wake-up call in the face of, you know, as we're waiting to be vaccinated, now is a great time to start prioritizing these factors. I'd like to know a little bit more about why that happens, uh, the, the risk factors that go into changing efficacy. So what's really happening inside the body of someone who's, say, depressed or anxious that, that changes how a vaccine would behave? Well, there's a lot of neuroendocrine and immune changes that can occur. Um, if you even just think about the cascade of stress hormones or somebody who's having chronic stress, a lot of this work has been done with caregivers. And as you might suspect, or if anyone's a caregiver, they, they know that it uh, can be a 24-7 responsibility to take care of someone. And so when you compare caregivers who get a vaccine to their age matched peers who are not caregivers, caregivers tend to have a less robust vaccine response. And so there are a lot of things that can shift when somebody's experienced chronic stress or depression. There are a lot of physiological changes that are associated with that, including, as I said, endocrine changes that can really fuel these differences in antibody responses and in T cell responses, which are two different aspects of the adaptive immune response to vaccination. So the fact that our body has this, this brain-body connection, the feelings we're having, the stresses that are changing the way that our hormones are released can go down into the cellular level and actually affect the way that our immune response is able to deal with normal diseases, but also trying to build immunity based on the introduction of a vaccine. I think it's just fascinating. Yes, I think it's so interesting how these factors that we might think are just kind of in our head can actually really impact us on a cellular level. So mental health can definitely play a role in our physical well-being and in um, our immune functioning and responses to vaccines, which is just a fascinating line of research. That's the bad news. But what's the good news? I mean, you did say there are things we can do now to intervene. Tell me about that. I, <laughs> I want to hear the good news. Well, sure. Let's talk about the good news. Um, so you're exactly right that there are things we can do. Of course, the COVID-19 pandemic has brought a lot of uncertainty and tumult in our society, both on an individual level and on a, a larger scale as well. And unfortunately, the necessary social distancing guidelines have further isolated people. So it's so it can be even more difficult to cope with stress when we're separated from our loved ones. But even so, there are things that we can do now. So, you know, still trying to prioritize social connection during this time, even though it may look different, that can be a really important factor, prioritizing mental health. So, for instance, if you're struggling with depression, you know, seeking that mental health care. And right now, it, it's even more accessible than it's ever been because there can be um, telehealth has become very widespread. So now's a great time to seek mental health care, even for those in rural areas who might have not had access to that before. And prioritizing exercise. Uh, someone might think, you know, well, I'm about to get my my vaccine. And so maybe I don't have time to change all of these things. But actually, what we found in the review was that even short-term 
prioritization of sleep and exercise around the time of the vaccine can really help the immune response to the vaccine. And it can also help to reduce side effects as well for the vaccine. So it can help to speed up that antibody production, uh, prolong the antibody protection that we have, the and also to prevent a lot of these side effects. There still needs to be more research in this area, but what we've seen so far, it does appear promising that there are, there are things we can do. And I think that that's um, especially important right now, Charles, when so many things are outside of our control, that there are some things that we can do on an individual level, um, whether that's with the help of a mental health care professional, for instance, with cognitive behavioral therapy, or some kind of um, mindfulness-based stress reduction intervention or something like that, or whether that's on an individual level with prioritizing exercise, which boosts mental and physical health, um, sleep, proper nutrition, all of these things that we might uh, logically know that we should be prioritizing, but now is especially important. And I know it can be hard after months of a pandemic to to still be prioritizing self-care, but now is a great time to be engaging with these things. And the things that you're discussing, these are not major investments of time and effort. It's whenever someone says, you need to do more exercise, so many people can see that as, oh, I just don't like it. It's it's too much work. I have to plan. It's not that major of an investment. You don't have to, to join a gym. You don't have to buy exercise equipment. This is can be as simple as taking long, brisk walks, just enough to reduce stress you don't you aren't trying to uh, go on a major health campaign exactly even just even just walking more as you said you know i know a lot of people like to count their steps and so step counting can be a great way to prioritize even just basic fitness and basic engagement in physical activity throughout the day it's not a huge investment of time and effort there are some small changes that we can make even on a shorter term scale before the vaccine that can really help to promote an optimal vaccine response. One last question. So this is exciting. It's pointing us in the right direction, but what's next? Where's this research going to take us? Do you have kind of the next step in trying to uncover the mind-body connection and immunity? These findings I'm talking about have not yet been replicated with these new COVID-19 vaccines. And so that would be a, a, a good next step of making sure all signs point to the fact that it that these things would hold true for the COVID-19 vaccine, but that would be important to try to replicate it with this vaccine. And also, I think, you know, when talking about these interventions, we need more some more work to be done before we know exactly the dose, if you will, of exercise or sleep that can promote the optimal effect, if that makes sense. So we need some more information on the dosing and timing of these um, health behaviors and interventions in order to really hone in on the, the most optimal engagement in these, in these behaviors. And so I think that's where this, this line of research is heading, is to really center in on when and how much of these things are needed to promote the most optimal immune response to the vaccine. And so often when we talk about healthy behaviors, people often say, well, if a little bit is good, a lot must be much better. Such things with, with vitamins and even exercise to the point where people can injure themselves or cause additional problems. So understanding that just because exercise is good doesn't mean that going out and training for a marathon is necessarily going to boost the immune system the same way going out for a 
brisk walk or a short run would. Yeah, like we were talking about before, it doesn't need to be a huge investment in time and energy. It can be pretty uh, modest changes in lifestyle, including walking more that can that can be really beneficial. So we aren't necessarily saying that people need to go out and start running marathons now. Moderation is key and finding the right combination of activities that works that works for you and prioritizing things that you are interested in, like Tai Chi or yoga or, or walking or you know just trying to find ways to stay physically active and prioritize sleep and mental health is really important right now. So if you were to find out next week that you're on the list to get your first dose of one of the vaccines, would there be any changes that you would probably make in your routine? Or do you think that kind of the way you're doing things now, the amount of exercise, the amount of sort of mental health relaxation is right? Or, you know, are the things that, you know, just for the heck of it, maybe people should try to do? Sure. And I, I feel like I keep coming back to sleep, but I think that prioritizing sleep, especially the few days before and the few days after vaccine is, is so important for immune functioning. So I would definitely be prioritizing sleep and pr- trying to get some physical activity, ideally within 24 hours before the vaccine. You know, if somebody's struggling with depression, as I've mentioned before, seeking mental health care, engaging in any type of stress management activities. And if somebody knows, like if they've been particularly stressed recently, just to understand that, you know, that could delay the, uh, how long it takes to have a clinically protective level of antibodies. And so being aware of that and not letting our guard down, even after we get the second dose of the vaccine, Um, Just being aware that stress can have an impact on how long it takes to develop that immunity and also how long that immunity lasts. So these are just factors to be aware of. And and as I said, the take home message is hopeful that there are things that we can do about it. And there are things we can control right now in order to have the best possible um, immune response. I like the idea of having a little bit of control in this uncertain time. So uh, I am going to go put on my exercise clothes hit my spin bike, and uh, probably go take a nap. So I would like to thank you. This has been uh, Charles Blue with the Association for Psychological Science, and I've been speaking with Annalise Madison of uh, The Ohio State University. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Charles. I appreciate it. <laughs>